My name is Alec Cowan, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. This podcast contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. You will not be able to stay home, brother. Hi, hello, and you are currently listening to Orchata Squad with your hosts, Veronica Fernandez Alvarado and Marian Fragoso. We have a very valuable member of society here with us. Please introduce yourself. I am Samara Mokaya. And please tell us more about you. Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> I am a senior um, and I am a political science and ethnic studies double major with a minor in sociology and African studies. So shout out to ethnic studies and African studies departments, Mm -hmm. teaching people about their culture. Mm -hmm. High five. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And I'm 22 years old. Mm -hmm. Is that like a thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. (laughs) And so we're just going to get right to it. Um, As you know, we bring shit to this podcast room because it looks really dull and ugly and shit. (laughs) So, Marianne, I know you brought something. Yes. um, So, as usual, I brought Kermit because he loves loves being here. He loves listening to everything. Um, And I also brought the ugliest minion you will ever see in your entire (laughs) life. Okay, um... People were going to hate me for this because everyone hates minions for a reason, but I think they're hilarious, <laughs> and I think they're so funny. And um, my friend Caitlin went to Mexico, and she got me a minion <laughs> from Mexico. But it's funny because I don't know if y'all seen, like, the second Despicable Me or something, but there's, like, purple minions that are evil. Mm-hmm. And this is supposed to be, like, an evil minion, but it's, like... It's hand painted as like a normal minion, so it's actually like really ugly, but it's so cute and it has like a little thing so you can hang it on your wall. And I really value it. <laughs> it's and it's really sparkly. Funny. Oh yeah, it also has sparkles on it, and it's just very beautiful and unique. That's all. <laughs> I love it, and I know you brought something here too. Yeah, I brought a little like keychain thing Mm -hmm. that I got from Kenya when I went there this summer and it's just a like it's a painted picture of a giraffe and so I brought it because I mean you don't usually get these anywhere Mm -hmm. and if you do they're like super expensive which is so hilarious to me because I'm like you could just go to Kenya or like you know, another yeah. co- like you could get it for like a dollar, and mm-hmm. like people are out here like, oh my goodness, did you see this chain? It's like twenty dollars, and I'll start laughing. I'm like, that's okay, that's cute. Yeah, <laughs> that's True. actually ki- kind of how I see mangoes here. Mm. Mangoes, I love yeah. mangoes mm-hmm. because like in Veracruz, like we have like this mango tree, and the mangoes are everywhere, and they're just dropping. And then I see people like pay five dollars for this little cup of mangoes and then i'm like bruh like that's that's ridiculous mangoes and veracruz are so good my grandma was from there and oh my god they're so delicious i miss them i miss summer just because it's mango season i just i feel like i feel that way about like tropical fruit in general Mm -hmm. like when people here are like oh my goodness like i got sugar cane and like i'll taste it and i'm like this is brick (laughs) it tastes like this tastes like nothing yeah (laughs) there's like no sugar and i'm just like 
you don't you don't know what mm-hmm. like you're missing out on it's so sad yeah. also the avocado frenzy that like everybody yes. has like hopped a train on mm-hmm. and like looking back when i was like little and my mom would like make avocado toast but because that's just how we grew up right Mm -hmm. and that's what there is and then now people are like oh my goodness do you want this avocado toast with like a sprinkle of pepper (laughs) for like twelve dollars and i'm like no thanks yeah Uh, it's not yeah yeah honestly like they gentrified fucking avocado and toast which is so ridiculous to me it's so expensive now and i'm like that's literally what we ate when there was like not enough food and like now you have to pay like ten dollars for a toast like Mm. hmm no, it is. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Also, I don't know if y'all know this, but when I was in middle school and elementary school, they used to call me Veronica Avocado because <laughs> one of my last names is Alvarado. And then they would all laugh. But Aww. someone, someone's literal last name was Wart. So what? I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> wow. And you're the one who got made fun of? Exactly. He didn't even... Not even him. Wow, middle schoolers are the worst, honestly. Children. Yeah. Oh, like, definitely. Children are so mean. You're yeah. like, damn, okay. Like, <laughs> calm down a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah, children are just, hmm. Yes. Anyways, now that we established that children are the fucking worst <laughs> and we're all going to tie our tubes together, yeah. um, let's move on to shout outs. So, I know you have a shout-out for us. Actually, all three of us have shout-outs because it was International Women's Day um, last week. Mm -hmm. So, please. Yeah, so my shout-out, I couldn't pick, like, one person. And so, my shout-out, because yesterday was International Women's Day, Mm -hmm. and it was, like, all over Instagram and basically all of social media. I want to give a shout-out to the women who are not talked about in a lot of conversations when we do talk about women so the women that like live on the margins women that are like shunned by society women that Mm -hmm. face violence every single day so my shout out is to them because they're so like the resilience like the recognition that like every single day is a challenge Mm -hmm. especially if you're a woman living on the margins so i give a shout out to all of those women because they've created spaces where i can thrive so Thank you. That That's was, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. Wow. Okay, now me. Yes. <laughs> um, I want to give a shout out. First, super quick shout out to my mom that I don't think she even listens to the podcast. But anyway, shout out to mom. I wouldn't be here without her N- and not like actually physically. I mean, yeah, that that too. But um, but yeah, in Oregon in general, she's just so supportive. And I keep doing things because of her. And also, quick shout out to Julie, Julissa Ramirez, um, my internal director for Mujeres. She is the fucking best. And Julie does so, so much for Mujeres and <clears throat> for students in general. And um, we we have an, well, we're, we're recording this. The event is today, but when the episode is out, it would be last week (laughs) but we have an event today and julie has been so amazing and she runs up and down and she does everything and julie is always um advocating for a lot of students and i don't know she's just amazing i love her and i want to give her a shout out because she's not recognized enough and 
I just want her to know that I appreciate her and I love her. We love you, Julie. We love Julie. Julie's, yes, we love her so mm-hmm. much. And I want to give a quick shout out to Carmen Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a new member of Mecha. Well, well, she is an intern of Mecha, mm-hmm. more to say. She's done a lot of work. And I just want her to realize that, like, we, like, Orcheta Squad appreciates her and sees her. And we understand that, like, you know, going through undergrad is really rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that there is an entire community of femmes, of femmes of color that is rooting behind her and wants the best for her. So, yes. That's beautiful. <laughs> love it. I love it. Into it. And... Happy International Women's Day. Yeah. Yes. For everyone. For everyone. Yeah. And thank you for pointing out all the women that, like, get forgotten because I think it's very important um, because women like them give spaces for us to even, like, be here, you know? So, yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Fans of color. All right. So we're going to move on to our topic and our main topic is Femmes of Color and Activism. Mm-hmm. And, okay, so all three of us have been in activism spaces. We are activists. Mm-hmm. I would want to say yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. I consider myself a baby activist just because obviously I'm still learning. But There's yeah. so much that, like, you realize you don't know. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, I need to take a step back sometimes mm-hmm. and just, yeah. Yes. But, yeah, so we are all activists. And we have all been a part of, like, several different, like, student organizations. And as Femmes of Color, we have experienced what I learned is, like, a super common thing. It's just, like, you know, there's sexism. There's, like, a whole bunch of other things that go into it um, that Femmes of Color have to deal with. And the problem is that we are unable to talk about it without um, making it seem like we're against our own organizations. Mm -hmm. And that is why that is our topic for today, for this episode. And so with this in mind, I actually just want to like, I actually just want to like bring up a reading Mm -hmm. that, um, (laughs) that we like we had, not Marianne, but what that um, the Chicano generation testimonies of the movement um, by Mario um, Garcia. And in that, there's like a little, there's a testimony from one of the, um, one of the Chicanx, Chicanas, like women there, femmes, who like talks about sexism and how it was a problem and how it like made like certain like women have to leave. It like really sucked. But there was like a need to be in those spaces because they were actually helping the community. So, I like Marianne. Like, I wanna. I know you are a part of an organization. Can you tell us a little bit more about Mujeres? Yeah. So, Mujeres. Um, Mujeres was established in '95, um, and it was actually created by the women of Mecha, and it was created because there was so much sexism in Mecha. And Mecha was such a male-dominated space. So Mujeres was created for that, um, to talk specifically about um, 
I guess, like, women in the Latinx community um, because they're often forgotten and, um, yeah, like, Chicano movement was um, very male-dominated and it was sexist and so, yeah, and we focus on um, specifically, well, now we kind of evolved a little bit, just, like, not only women, but, like, as well as non-binary folks and gender non-conforming people from the Latinx community as well. And, um, yeah, that's why we recently changed our name, too, because it was Mujeres with a J, and now it's Mujeres with an X, um, just to make it, make the language a little bit more inclusive to those who don't identify necessarily as a woman, but, um, we also give them a space because they're usually shunned out by their own community, and, yeah, (laughs) um, I, I don't know, that's all I can think of, but... I love mujeres and yeah it was it's kind of sad that like these organizations have to separate themselves from their own community I guess and have to be created have to create other branches because the the main I mean the main group or something like is being um I don't know disrespectful I guess to like women or um trans folk and all that yeah that's all (laughs) yeah that's true and honestly like we've probably like all had our own stories about how like activisms were like really fucking sucked Mm -hmm. but (laughs) what is it like do you all have like tiny like i don't know tidbit stories about like when you've like felt due to like like lack of intersectional like recognition that it that your activism space or an organization like really made you feel like left out tomorrow (laughs) i would say that it i've been in spaces and organization spaces where a lot of oppression olympics are played Mm -hmm. which is one i guess shows ignorance and Two, it's um, it's one of those things where, like, if you're part of an organization that is being harmful to the people who are there because it's not being intersectional, it's almost like um, I would relate it to just like when a family member says something mm-hmm. because organizations become your families, yeah. And so when like it's like a family member saying something, and you're like, whoa. I did not know that you felt that way. Mm-hmm. And it. I think it's also a little bit different because you're in a college setting. And so you hope that the people you're around are getting the education that you are, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And so I've been in spaces where men, like it'll be a room full of um, people who identify as women, femme, and there'll be like maybe three or four people who identify as men. And as soon as the men begin to speak it's almost like all the power shifts Mm -hmm. even though by numbers they're not that many men Mm -hmm. um in the space but the you can feel the shift of power whenever men talk and it's almost like and then i've been in spaces where like the men will say such toxic gross Mm -hmm. shitty things and then the women will be like yeah and i'll look around (laughs) and i'm like oh my gosh are we serious right now like are we validating the nonsense that they just like said out of their mouth? Mm-hmm. This is like a thing. 
and like people will be like yeah i agree like you put it into a better perspective and i'm like mm-hmm. no they spoke trash and you're allowing them to continue to speak trash mm-hmm. so it's very like it's very disarming it's very um hurtful um i've been in spaces where people who don't identify i like identify on like well just i just don't identify with a gender mm-hmm. will you know talk about like hey can you please like use inclusive language mm-hmm. and things like that and how it's like a fight like why is it a fight to include people when you're in an organization that is fighting for the like for for your inclusion yeah. as well it's like doesn't make any sense to me so i've definitely been in those spaces and also left those spaces I think there comes a time when you have to realize that you can do good work and but you can't always do it if it's being hindered by other people and sometimes you need to separate yourself and do that good work somewhere else Mm -hmm. so and can you tell our listeners what are you involved with if you're involved with any organizations at the time so I'm not involved in any organizations right now. Mm-hmm. It's my fifth year. I'm working on my thesis, and that's all that I'm focused on. Yes. Um, but over my years in college, I've been a part of BWA, BSU, CARE. Um, I did Mecha when I was like in my freshman year mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, and the MCC. Yep, mm-hmm. I was on, mm-hmm. on the board yeah. for the MCC, so... And that's like a really good thing to bring into question, like how um, we in these activism spaces and I can talk like I've been to like many activism spaces. They are like largely femmes of color who are taking these leadership roles, who are taking initiative, who are doing all this work. Yet the very there's like this constant need to like pamper to like the men of color who are there. Um, I know that. What is it? There's this thing of like a recruitment and retention, particularly just for men, like men of color. Like for my um, first year when I was a part of a student organization, uh, it was like it was like this constant need to like, oh, if we can like make ourselves more appealing, like the few like males of color would like bring up. There's only a few of us and it's really weird. And then we would be like okay like I don't know what to tell you like no one else is stepping up for like leadership Mm -hmm. like like we can't like force males of color to like take up these roles to like be activists and whatnot and like bravo to those who do but like still and so there was this constant need to like pun up with a lot of toxic behavior that like men do just to keep like retention numbers of like males of color Mm -hmm. and I like what you said about like how like these activism spaces are like families and how like personally in my own family, there's always that like creepy, like that creepy male family member, whether it's like an uncle or a grandfather or cousin or something that people just like are informed not to hang out with Mm -hmm. or not to be like in like a certain space with. And it's like. And it's it just puns us like it puts an entire organization in an awkward space due to the fact that we have to try to like I don't know create like an area for these like men of color because we want them there because it's not like we're automatically just like rejecting men of color from activism spaces but also like where does the where's the line drawn and where like 
what are we going to do about like restorative justice if they do something wrong or something like um an activism space that I'm currently in I had like um I had like a discussion with them about how I felt like we need to make a plan w- for when and I say when because it's about because it's gonna happen for when there is like a sexual assault within the membership and how we will go about doing that and how that is like an important topic to talk about because of the fact that like um sexual violence within these organizations is something that is like incredible it's like it's very common but no one wants to talk about because no one wants to bash their own organization and that is what like that is like what all these um all these like past activist leaders have talked about Mm -hmm. um particularly femme leaders like like, we've read Seize the Time and how they, like, talk about, like, gender inequality in, like, the Black Panther Party. And then the Chicano generation, they talk about the gender inequality there, too. But, like, it was very hard to speak up about this, like, to anyone outside of the membership or even to the own membership because then you seem like an enemy, almost. Like, someone trying to destroy yeah. the family. And it's... These activism spaces particularly were already being attacked by like FBI and by like police and by like all these other like, you know, like white reporters and stuff like that. And so there's this constant need to like protect. And I don't know, it's very strange. Yeah. And like even um, talking about, I guess, like sexism between movements or um, organizations, I'm um even like just something that pops into my mind is like um i guess the farm workers movement and stuff like everything that cesar chavez did and stuff like dolores huerta was literally like a co-founder and she was there the whole time she was like cesar's like right hand everything and even like a lot of people do not know who she is and i'm like really like she was literally like one of the biggest part of the movement and um I think she just doesn't get any credit because women of color are, even though women of color do all the jobs, you know, like they pick up the slack of everyone and like they're just not recognized or they're not like you don't get, um, I don't know, informed about them because they're not talked about. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like what I bring to mind. I mean, what I thought about when you said like sexism between own movements and yeah it's like really frustrating because then um you would you kind of have to like separate yourself even though you love an organization so much but sometimes it's toxic to be there you know and um I guess I've also seen like a lot of white people be surprised when like I don't know they just think that because you're a person of color or because you're an organization makes you automatically 110 percent like not problematic and I'm like, no, <laughs> I mean, people can still be problematic and be in student organizations or be considered activists, I guess, um, because everyone has like a lot to learn. And like people in organizations are still learning. And um, so there is problems between um, activists and um, movements. And I think they need to be recognized in order to move forward, because if not, you're not doing anything, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I think when you look at organizations, um, especially when 
you are dealing with people who are already subject to state violence, it almost, so then the shift becomes, well, we don't want to cause this person any more harm because they already are caused harm just by the person that they are. Um, especially like people of color, men, like men of color. So like there's this protection for men of color because it's like, well, you're going to have like you already have a hard life. So mm-hmm. we don't want to put something else on top of that, which then I'm like, so you're going to protect one person. Mm-hmm. And what about the other 80 people in the organization? Mm-hmm. Like we're we're targeted, too. So and then the other thing, too, is like. We're all targeted, but I w- didn't decide to be gross. Mm-hmm. Why am I? Why do we have to keep? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm targeted all the time. And I've decided, well, you know what? Even though I'm targeted, I'm not going to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. You want me to protect somebody else who decided to do that? I just, it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, all of these things are things that like you learn and it's interesting how things are just very like repetitive we've seen all of these things happening with movements and they still continue to happen with movements and so it's almost like the learning component isn't there it like it's people are still sexist homophobic like racist in like their spaces and it's like well did we not learn from the past Mm -hmm. so-and-so years of like people being activists no we're just gonna like keep making the same mistakes Mm -hmm. okay great so Mm. yeah and oh sorry and they keep making the same mistakes and then they like apologize for it real quick and then they're like okay now let's pretend this never happened again Mm -hmm. and like that happens in like organizations and like activism spaces so much that it like it gives me a mind grit like it like hurts my head so much like honestly yeah no um yeah like you bring up a good point because like um like in activist spaces i guess like when it's an organization like a specific one um and i'm going to talk about specifically more about like mecha and stuff just because like that's what i know but, um, like, I guess in Latinx spaces, it's forgotten. Like, there's so many other parts of one person's identity, you know? You're, like, like myself, like, I don't only identify as, like, Latinx, you know? Like, there's other important parts of me that are part of my identity. And, like, such as, like, being queer and, like, being a woman and stuff. Like, it's so hard to... And, like, it's so hard, like, when it's, like, your own community being homophobic and all that and, like, forgetting, I guess, like, uh, pe- uh, queer people of color and all that because then you're kind of forced to choose between the two identities, you know? You're like, okay, well, do I want to be in a group that's, like, for Latinx, I mean, yeah, for Latinx people or do I want to be in a group or in a space that it's, like, for queer people, you know? Like, why can't it be both? So it's, like, really frustrating that... You always have to choose between identities because then for me, like, um, like I've tried being in like queer spaces and stuff, but they're all so white. And I'm like, do I want to choose between this identity or this identity? Like, why can't I just be like with queer people of color? or Why can't I just like do things for them? You know, so it's like, do I want to be in a white space or do I want to be in like uh, people of color space, but like will not accept my identity or will forget about it you know so it's like you you shouldn't have to choose between two like these organizations need to do better between like 
um, including all the other identities to like a person that comes from your own community, you know? So it's, it's sad. So in my ethnic studies, queer literature class, Mm -hmm. we are reading a book called uh, a cup of water under my bed by Daisy Hernandez. And we talked about in class about how, um, that, that, like that, um, kind of like that bittersweetness that is in families, but also in organizations and like activism because they become your family is like this thing of reconciling the fact that like your family can harm you and you can still like, and then there's this want um, to still like love them. Mm -hmm. And so like in the book, like she basically talks about like being queer and like what that meant and like how like, the tias that she grew up with, like, like stopped talking to her because, like, they realized that, like, she was bisexual. And so um, it's it, it was a very interesting conversation to have about, like, the fact that, like, people in your community can harm you in such big ways. And then there's this also this still kind of, like, want because they're your family and your community mm-hmm. to, like, be like, okay, like okay you hurt me but maybe I can teach you maybe and then you know and that does happen and so that does happen where people are like okay you did this it's gross let's learn from it right because I always find myself in this situation where I wanted people to extend patience to me when I was ignorant I always talk about pre-junior Samara and post-junior Samara Mm pre-junior Samara was Mm -hmm. ignorant Um, went off of what I knew from like K through 12 you know just like so much like internalized things and just but just like the things that you learn like when you're little and and, you know when you're in high school and then you bring it to like college and so um, those first two years were just like whoa and then my junior year I like I continued to get involved continue to learn and now I'm not as gross as I was um not saying that I'm perfect but Mm -hmm. there's a big change and so I think that that can happen um but then like we've been saying there's also a time to like step back you know Mm -hmm. like there is a time to be like all right like yeah we can rally around you we can like let's teach you let's Mm -hmm. you know let's let's like let's show you that like this is ignorance and like this is the way that like you get out of that um, but then if you see that someone's not willing to learn, you're like, oh, OK, well, yeah, you know, you go be you go do your thing over there. I'll I'll kind of stay here. Mm-hmm. I tried. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. Yeah, no. And that's like. Like we're like the line should be when it starts like becoming harmful to like other like members of an organization. And I'm going to like tell a story that like I now feel more comfortable telling that I like didn't talk about for like a very long time but yeah my first year in this organization I was so excited to be around other people of color it was like I was always like surrounded by white people growing up and it made me really nervous and like eventually like and like and I would love to say that like right away they accepted me as a part of the family whatever but they didn't because like I was super shy I was like not very like I don't know. It was like a lot of like there was like some clicks going around and whatnot. But then what is it? One of the um, members who was well liked, like, you know, like 
like was like was really creepy to me once when I was like super duper drunk and he like kept asking he's like oh how drunk are you how drunk are you and I was like oh um not really like I'm okay I'm fine and he was like basically like harassing me at this party and then he was just like and then whenever I would ask him I'm like oh how drunk are you he'd be like I've just had this one beer and it put me in a really uncomfortable situation because like he had like later that night he tried to follow me into my room he like what is it at some point he tried to put his hand up my skirt and I didn't want to say anything due to the fact that I was absolutely terrified that like somehow it would be put blame on me and then I would be seen as someone trying to like ruin the organization and so I didn't say anything and for like a while and then I heard some of the student leadership like talk about it and then they were like they're like oh yeah like this guy's really creepy and apparently it was a well-known thing that he was creepy that girl shouldn't be drunk around him and I didn't know because I wasn't fully into the community and so like they like and then I like finally told them and they're like oh don't worry we're gonna do something about this and I assumed something was gonna get done later though when we were having like our elections those same people that told me something was gonna get done nominated him for a position like a leadership position and then they all vouched for him knowing full well what like the kind of harm he had done apparently not just to me but to a bunch of other girls in and outside of the organization but they were willing to turn a blind eye due to the fact of this idea of like family and we shouldn't reject people and then we have to like try to keep men men of color like close in our organization and then that put me in a position because I had run for leadership too and I had earned leadership to whether or not I was going to stay in that organization or whether or not I was going I was planning on like leaving and so I did a choice what I made a choice that many femmes of color make in these situations and I chose to stay with my community and I was like this is just something I'm gonna have to suck up and people and like the people around me like acted like it was nothing and that and then because of that like it made me feel like the experience I had wasn't valid and then everyone just treated him and like I like am able to talk about this now because like I like the thing is like he's remembered as someone who's like important or like had some kind of status in our organization and so he no longer comes here but people are like oh yeah of course we know him no 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 but like it's just like he's still part of that quote unquote like family and it was just like where what are we gonna do when this like harm comes what are we gonna do when like when our need to protect these certain family members like ends up hurting like the rest of our organization yeah (laughs) um yeah no it's it's kind of sad that like we um even some of our old members like can be like that you know and um that people need to protect them because and i guess like um i also like um understand to the point that they're like oh like they don't want this to get out or something like that because they don't want to give a bad name to the organization you know because already being a political organization like you have people thinking things of you and like 
um, have certain ideas already. And um, like Samara was saying before, like when it's like men of color, like, oh no, like they already, like people already see them as something bad. Like why would we put something else on them, you know? But it's, it's important to like call people out, I guess. And like, or at least try to, um, to correct these errors that the organization has done, I guess, to like protect, um, predators or people who shouldn't be there in the first place. And I guess I also like, I mean, of course, like there's negative things about every organization and stuff. And, and like, I'm part of, I know Metro and Mujeres and I criticize them a lot all the time, but that doesn't mean that I don't love them. Like I love these organizations so much and I give myself to them a hundred percent, you know? And I think when you love someone, you like, when you love something, you, you criticize it, you know, if I didn't criticize it, it's because I don't care, but like I criticize them because I care because I wanted to get better. And I want generations to come to feel more included or to feel, um, like it's getting better, you know? So I criticize them because I love them and because I want them to grow and, um, and because I want to stay there and because I know sometimes like, uh, for example, like talking about my career identity, I would be like, oh, then like, why would I stay in this organization if like, um, I feel like I'm not welcomed or because I feel like I'm ignored or something like, it's sometimes I kind of force myself to stay in them because we need people to take up space in those spaces, you know? So it's like, well, if no one's going to do it, then I guess I'll do it, you know? So it's kind of like, it's good to stay on them. Well, you don't have to, obviously, because everyone um, deals with things differently, but I choose to stay on them because I want to take up space because then other people like me, I guess, are going to be like, oh, then, oh, it's cool that um, I can be here, you know? So... I guess taking a place is good too. <laughs> yeah. I think the conversation that we're having is important because many times um, people are not critical of their organizations. And so like for, for like, I guess the people who are listening, um, the ways in which like we talk about activism and the organizations we've been a part of and like our activist spaces is that we love them so much mm-hmm. we have to be critical of them because we are seeing them basically stunt their growth mm-hmm. um because of the things in which they're doing um that being said um for people who would like to be critical of um spaces that include marginalized identities um because you know it, it's oftentimes people will be like oh see like I knew it that's what they're talking about like I knew that like men of color do this and I know that like I knew that this was happening mm-hmm. um quick disclaimer grossness happens in all organizations mm-hmm. all over the world not yeah. just in organizations that include people of color yeah. for example fraternity and sorority life let's check ourselves on that yeah. one mm-hmm. um so the uh, I think the other thing too is like whenever people are critical of like organizations that do include people of color um, there's often that thing that people come around and they're like, well, see, like I knew the stereotypes mm-hmm. that like I had assumed were right. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. um, this thing ha- like this, the things, things that like or like the 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 atrocities that human beings commit happen everywhere, mm-hmm. not just in these particular spaces. Um, 
So I just want to put a quick disclaimer out on that because I feel like there are sometimes people who listen in and they're just like, they're like point Mm -hmm. out the bad stuff. And then I'm like, let's do some uh, self-reflection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, And see, because the other thing too is like, I know that I've been toxic in those spaces too for other people. Mm -hmm. And it's a very weird thing to try and reconcile because you you understand that you've hurt somebody mm-hmm. um, and then you understand that they don't have to forgive you, which is was an interesting concept that I learned my freshman year um, when I misgendered someone mm-hmm. um, and used pronouns that were not theirs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was lucky and fortunate enough that they were patient with me. But at the same time, it's like sometimes you apologize and the person's like, yeah, but now we can't be friends. Like it's severed and that relationship is is done. Um, And so it's one of those things where you also in talking about this and doing my own inward self-reflection, there have been times when I've been toxic to other people in organizations but i've been fortunate enough to be surrounded by people and also it comes from a willingness within yourself Mm -hmm. to learn from the things that people tell you you know there have been times when i would speak and my friends would be like oh no child no 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 stop 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 don't keep talking don't talk anymore (laughs) just stop talking (laughs) um and so you know and they're just like they're just like come come over here when you know we'll teach you mm-hmm. um which of course is not anybody's job mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but i was fortunate enough that they were like all right come come over here let's let's chip away some of that ignorance that you've learned um so i i, I don't know self-reflection and also like outward outward criticism mm-hmm. and i think that also relates to um like call call out culture versus like calling in Mm. you know because um sometimes and i've been very guilty of this um well now i'm learning but i was always so quick to call out people you know oh i still do that oh yeah (laughs) yeah no like you just call them out with like i guess like sometimes i don't even give them like benefit of the doubt of like learning to grow just because like being in organizations and um, seeing things, I've kind of like, not from the organizations, I'm talking about like people from outside the organizations, like I have bad experiences. So like I quickly assume kind of like the worst in people and I'm like, no, they don't want to learn, you know? So I'm always like calling out people and then don't do anything about it. And then I'm like, okay, I realize that that's not always productive. So like calling in sometimes is really good because like, sometimes when people say problematic things are like it's not done out of bad intention it's just done because there's like you don't know enough or like lack of education and um so i think it's important to to like recognize like calling out versus calling in because then if it's someone you care about and like if it's a friend like you call them in and give them a space of growth you know when you're like this is kind of like what you did wrong and this is how you can change it and and then if they decide, like, not to do anything about it, if they keep being problematic, you're like, okay, call them out and, like, bye, <laughs> you know? But, um, yeah, I was very guilty of always calling out people and kind of just, like, starting things that were not done in bad intention, you know? But I think, like, I kind of do it out of instinct because of the experiences I've had. Um, 
but it's something that I'm trying. But of course, like there are some people that I will just call out and not talk to ever again. But I with like fr- close friends and stuff, I realize that I just have to be kind of like um, recognize that they can still growth because even myself, like, of course, I don't know everything and I'm still learning, you know, and um, I haven't been in activism for long, but I plan on staying on it. And I know that every day I learn something new and I can always grow out of the things I'm saying or and as society grows and as society changes, views are going to change, you know, and I'm going to learn new things. So that's important. Calling in versus calling out. Same. And I think like the fact that we can like everyone should in these activism spaces, like admit that they are problematic because mm-hmm. once we like admit that, then we will be able to learn from it. And like I can even say like I'm problematic and like it's true. Honestly, some like I don't know. Sometimes I'm like joking around, but then I'm told that like, hey, this is what you're doing. It's kind of it's like it's offensive. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, dang shit like like um with this whole thing so on like the you guys mm-hmm. like it took me a really long time to unlearn that kind of language mm-hmm. but the way i saw it and this is why i've also like taken out a lot of like other like well like gendered and ableist language from my own vocabulary is just like if i could do something really small to make someone else who normally always feels uncomfortable feel a little bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. then it's honestly worth it like it's worth my time to unlearn something that has been ingrained in me and i don't know like i really i really love these spaces i really love like i love activism i love organizations I have, like, when there's problematic POC, like, I have a lot more patience for them than I do for, like, problematic white people because, like, let's be honest, like, (laughs) there's a lot of problematic white people who are just, like, saying the shit they say to be, like, to, you know, just be, just to fuck with us. Mm -hmm. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I just, um, in thinking about activists in spaces as well, um, realizing that activism so a lot of just times when i tell people that i'm an activist they're like oh so like you just like make signs and like go protest mm-hmm. and i'm like that's literally such a small portion yeah. of activism mm-hmm. and so i was thinking about this the other day because someone was just like yeah you're an activist so that just means like you just go around and like you do all the you like you know all the marches and like the protests mm-hmm. and things like that and i'm like well, one, um, I don't always go to all of the marches because yeah. most of them are very problematic, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. here in good old Eugene, Oregon, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right? Where you have like well-intentioned white people mm-hmm. doing damage, yeah. which is like the most interesting thing. <laughs> You're like, wow, you you were almost there. And then yeah. you just you just like <laughs> took a wrong turn. Yeah. And now it's just and so thinking no but then telling the person like no activism can you know, activism can be in art and it can be in film oh, and yeah. it can be in spoken word, like we're gonna hear tonight, mm-hmm. um, at six PM <laughs> Columbia one fifty. <150. laughs> um, and so it I mean, it, it takes shape in so many different ways. And also learning that like even just being like a even just being a person of color 
mm-hmm. is activism. No, like yeah. getting up out of bed and dealing with the bullshit yes. is activism. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I don't smack half the people like <laughs> in my classes is 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 like really like you know and mm-hmm. but those those spaces like teach you a lot. I always tell my ethnic studies professors I'm like y'all are the most patient people I know. Mm-hmm. Most patient people I know because I will sit in class and someone will say something and I'm like so we're not going to say anything. We're yeah. not we're not going to address the fact that like <laughs> they just called another human being like illegal and I'm like and I'll be in class and it's like a 400 level class and I'm like yo <laughs> or like someone would be like oh wait race is a social conscious and i'm like oh jesus i'm like i'm like give me the patience right and then like you know i think study professors are like you know they'll be like oh not quite yeah. or we'll get into that or like they're so they're so composed and they're so patient like mm-hmm. i just feel like i don't have that capacity as a teacher i'd come in there and i'd be like all right most of y'all are ignorant <laughs> up in here um yeah. and i'm gonna teach you well i'm gonna teach you Y'all say something problematic, I will call you out. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing, too. I feel like I call out people because if I get embarrassed, it's going to make me want to learn Mm -hmm. so that I'm not embarrassed again. Yeah. So, like, I think that's the reason why I call out people is because, like, that embarrassment for me would Mm -hmm. prompt me to be like, all right, I'm going to the library after this because there's no way somebody is making fun of me like that, Mm -hmm. like, ever again. I remember my residence hall last year i like walked by a room and one of my residents was just like if you do that again i swear to god bro i'll rape you and i was like what the fuck <sighs> shit and i was like great i'm gonna be like 20 minutes late to class <laughs> <laughs> and i like backtracked and i was like so what did i just hear what did we just say uh, uh we're gonna what with who mm-hmm. for doing what what did they do? Oh, they beat you in a game? Oh, so you thought that them beating you in a game warranted you saying that? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. And it's great because then yeah. afterwards they're so embarrassed and like their <laughs> friends are in the room too. Yeah. And I'm like, you got your lesson and now you won't ever say that again. Mm-hmm. Why? Because when you want to, you'll remember Samara yelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, politely. Elevated volume. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I love that you bring up um, different forms of activism, too, because I um, I kind of always beat myself up because I'm not um, an ethnic studies major or um, actually, like, I remember um, or two years ago. I don't even know how long. I don't know. When were the elections? Somewhere. I don't know. Too long enough. But um, in the elections, when the elections were, ha- were happening, I was like, oh, if Trump wins, I'm going to change my major to political science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously that did not happen. But um, because I thought, like, I was like, this is definitely, like, yes, I'm going to change it because I'm going to change the world. But, yeah, I didn't change majors. But um, my mom, like, I told my mom that I was going to protest and that like, she hated that because, like, protests in Mexico, like, never end well and neither do here but um my mom grew up like seeing all the student-led protests and students go missing all the time like even recently like they go missing um they're super targeted by the government they end up dead so my mom has a very very negative idea of protest and she would literally she would cry like she would be so mad at me every time I went to one and 
should be like okay you have five like i'll give you permission to go to five even though my mom my mom still lives in mexico like literally she doesn't even live here so i don't have to tell her if i go but i my mom i tell her everything um so she's like okay you can go to five and like that's it she's like you don't have to be yelling or like you don't have to be on the street to like make a change and i kind of learned that because i thought like that was the only way you know like going to protest and um yelling all these chants like i thought that was the only way but then I realized, um, well, I'm a cinema studies and journalism major, and my mom was like, no, like, you're gonna make change, like, with art, and I'm like, no, like, that's not enough, that's not enough, but, like, at the same time, it is, you know, like, because I didn't grow up seeing films where, um, there was a good representation of me or other people, so, like, even doing things like that is a form of activism, you know, and also protest are very like toxic toxic space and some people um they're not like uh they're not friendly for disabled people and some people have anxiety and like don't like to be around people and then they feel guilty that they can't go to protest like no like protests are really not for everyone there's so many other ways you can do activism and um I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people feel guilty about not going to protests and stuff, but you don't, you don't have to go in order to consider yourself an activist. You can do so many other things. And now I recognize that I can even be an activist with art, which is amazing. Like activism is so cool. You can do so many things and it's super draining. Of course, like, oh my gosh, Mm. I am honestly, ever since like I consider myself, like I'm just, I feel like I'm angry all the time. And it's so draining and you just want to hit everyone in the face. But it's honest, like, I don't regret any of it. Like, I love doing it and it's so fulfilling. And um, just knowing that you are aware of things, like, I love that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, my father told me when I was going to be in ethnic studies and political science and you know, I told him first I was a biology major. <laughs> that was a joke and a half. <laughs> um, I got to biological calculus and I was like, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do this for like six years, like six more years because I wanted to be a surgeon. Mm-hmm. And so it was like four years undergrad, four years medical school oh and then another gosh. three years to like specialize. And yeah. I was like wow am yeah. I really gonna do this with my life and then I was like nah I can't do this for forever <laughs> like um but when I was like switching over to political science and he was just like he told me he was like you're gonna learn a lot about the world and it's not gonna be shielded anymore mm-hmm. and he's like the only thing that I would like you to remember is that don't let it make you hate mm-hmm. he was like that is the reason why the world continues to be the way that it is so that one community is targeted by another community then that community hates that other community Mm -hmm. and then generations grow up hating each other and so he was like change the world he's like go out there do what you need to do change the world he's like but don't um don't let it like penetrate your heart don't lose that empathy Mm -hmm. and it's hard it's hard sometimes like sometimes you just like people say stuff to you like my thing that usually people say to me regardless on what I'm wearing is that a lot of parents when they're coming to visit ask me if I'm an athlete which is the most aggravating question because I'll be in like 
I'll be in like a uniform for work and they'll be like, oh, like, do you run track for the like for the UO? And I'm like, if I ran track for the UO, we would lose every time. <laughs> they would be like, Samara, come on. <laughs> like you had it. I'd be like, listen, they yeah. were just a lot faster than I was. Um, and that's why I'm in last place. But like so sometimes it just it's just hard to or like, for example, when people will ask me. Like, when they find out that I'm African, they're like, oh, what? Like, they're like, they're like, oh, say something African. And I'm like, (sighs) (laughs) right? So there are, like, moments in your life where, like, it's so hard to, like, not have that, like, oh, you're so. And it's like, you look at them and you're like, you're so ignorant. Like, I don't even know if I can help you. Like, (laughs) You're just so ignorant. Like, and then you're like, should I ask them to pay me? Like, should I, should I like set up like a Venmo account and Mm -hmm. just be like, listen, if you want me, I'll teach you. Pay me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's something we really support here. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Being paid for like emotional labor like that because it isn't cheap. Mm -hmm. Like I keep, like I, I kept having this dream where there was this like really like, like very, ignorant girl that i grew up with and she shows up and then she starts wanting to talk about like muslim bands and then like the wall and then all this other stuff and then in my dreams i like explain everything and i'm very calm and whatnot and then when i wake up i'm like i can't believe like i'm gonna charge her right now (laughs) for that shit like what the fuck (laughs) yeah every labor should be paid and activist obviously don't make a lot of money and um because they give up so they give up so much you know but Mm. yeah and Mm. white people just just expect you to to like give them to give them all the information and like in mujeres every time we have a discussion we have a little slide of like rules and guidelines to consider before a discussion and we have one that says like google is free like yes we are here to to um teach you all these things and everything but if you want to go learn more and obviously like one person doesn't know everything like google is free you can google it yourself you can learn yourself um yeah i don't know yeah same and we're running out of time here so um is there any last words tomorrow oh i'm going first um, I would just like to say that in all things, activist spaces are not um, being conscious of how you carry yourself and the ways in which you impact the people around you is important. And so you don't need to be in an activist space. Like, it's not like you're in an activist space and then it's like, oh, turning on my social justice knob. <laughs> and like now I'm in like a empathetic human being mm-hmm. um, recognizing that like growth it requires you to be like incredibly critical and um, it requires you to continue to, I don't know, um, call things out, right? Like we did today. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, that that self-criticism is really important and not being hard on yourself, right? Like if, uh, and you know, you spoke about this, like 
sometimes you cannot go to a protest mm-hmm. um, for your own safety, for the safety of other people. Like you, it's just not going to be a space that's important. Like you know, that's um, not important, but it's not going to be a space that's safe enough for you. And so there's sometimes when you can just be like, cool, I'm not going to go, but maybe I can write something. Maybe I can do something else. Maybe I can just hang out with my friends. Mm-hmm. The day after Trump got elected, there were literally no people of color on campus. Yeah, there, yeah, were there wasn't. No uh-uh. people nope. of color on campus Mm -hmm. because we were all in our individual spaces healing with each other because we all recognize that like oh snap like racism has always been there and for whoever thinks that it wasn't that's (laughs) cute right but we all realized that like this was going to be a new age in which that racism was so blatant and it was so violent mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so i remember that day i y'all i got ice cream with my friends and we were like i was walking back to my residence hall and i was just like i have not seen another person of color this whole entire day mm-hmm. because we were just like yeah we're going to stay at home mm-hmm. because and i and you know and and that's also the the great part about having like empathetic professors because Mm -hmm. I remember professors being like for those of you who do not feel like coming to class today don't why because there were people on campus coming with like Trump stuff and people doing blackface and Mm -hmm. I literally was like oh so we're not doing that today we're not going out we're not doing any of that and so for me personally I just I think that the the growth in activism and in activist spaces especially for Femmes and activist spaces is that realization that you'd like to give back to your community, but also the the importance of being selfish and and being able to to step away when you need mm-hmm. to, and realizing that you can help your community in so many different ways, and that doesn't mean that you need to be in spaces that are toxic for you. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, I agree. I think um, with activism comes a lot of you have to take care of yourself constantly because. You learn so many shitty things and you you are in spaces that you don't feel comfortable in and all the time. So um, I think taking care of yourself is super important and it's something that I kind of forget about all the time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think when when you're an activist, you have to take care of yourself because you know it's going to be hard, you know. And I don't know, my closing words is appreciation for all activists and everyone here on campus that do shit um that they're not recognized like Mm -hmm. y'all do so fucking much you Mm -hmm. know Mm -hmm. and it's it's amazing everything y'all do everything we do (laughs) um so just know it doesn't go unnoticed at least for from us and keep doing it i know it's hard and everything but it's it's definitely making a change. I really wouldn't still be here in the university in Oregon, like if it wasn't for my activist spaces and for my activist friends, because it gives me hope, you know, I'm like, damn, there's people like me that think like me and there's people that want to do good. So it gives me a little hope of staying here in Oregon and all that. But I love y'all and it's amazing. We have to keep going. Yes, we do. And my final statement is just like if your organization is filled with femmes, particularly femmes of color, like appreciate them mm-hmm. because 
it takes a lot out of like people particularly femmes of color who not only are like expected to do like you know all labor of activism but are expected to put in the extra labor of being like emotional counselors to everyone Mm -hmm. because of the fact that they're femmes like like just appreciate them for the fact that they carry so much weight and that is what activism spaces are like they are femmes of color and yeah that is my final remark and we have to end soon so bye bye, bye. TQM you bye, bye. <laughs>